Are you an adventurer looking to take your hunt to the next level? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the East Meets West Hunt podcast presented by Onyx. On today's episode, I am joined by Casey Vandegraaff and Mitch Day of Prime Archery. We are talking all about Ohio mountain bucks on this episode. Casey and Mitch dove head first into big woods deer hunting this past year, and we just break down what they've learned in their first season, how they plan on tackling mountain bucks this upcoming year. The podcast is brought to you by Onyx, and the Onyx Hunt app is your premier GPS hunting app that turns your phone into a working GPS. I utilize the different icons and colored waypoints to create an organizational system that is easy for me. Creating a system for you is critical to being the most efficient and effective in the woods. If you want to check out the Onyx Hunt app for yourself, head over to onyxmaps.com and use the coupon code EMW to save 20%. Tethered is a company that's founded on the principles of educating the hunting community on saddle hunting while creating the most innovative, lightweight, safe products for saddle hunting. I'm always tinkering with my saddle system to make myself lighter and more efficient. So recently I changed out my lineman's rope and tether to a smaller 8mm rope which is a lot lighter and it's still overbuilt for the occasion. So to learn more about tethered and saddle hunting, head over to tetherednation.com. Maven is building the highest quality optics at half the price of their competitors through their direct-to-consumer business model. They want to create the best optics for the job, period. Their products are back with a lifetime, no-fault warranty and an incredible customer experience. The B3 8x30 binos are my go-to for all my eastern adventures. They are lightweight, good in low light, and give a crisp image all the way to the edges. You can use the coupon code EASTMEETSWEST-GIFT for a free gift with any full price optics order at mavenbuilt.com. And last but not least, the hunters require an accurate forecast of the best hunting days and the best hunting spots to save time on scouting and executing the hunts. The Spartan Forge Outfitter utilizes years of military background and machine learning to pull from millions of data points to accurately predict deer movement, including GPS data, 30 years of weather, academic and state research they're using science rather than someone's opinion to figure out movement for your hunting area the new app is coming closer to completion and if you buy it now you're locked into the current price for life in which you can use the code east meets west to save an additional 25 percent off of the outfitter at spartanforge.ai on this week's Mountain Buck Story of the Week, or otherwise known as Mountain Buck Monday over on social media, this story comes from Scott Brungard. On opening day of the 2020 PA statewide archery season, I harvested my largest buck to date in the big woods of north central Pennsylvania. I was positioned at the upper end of a saddle that leads from a super thick and steep mountain laurel side hill up to a more open oak flat with a water source. With the hot, dry summer of 2020, I knew food and water would be key. You couldn't write a script for better weather for opening day, so I got in my stand earlier than usual for the afternoon and evening sit. I saw several bucks, a bear, and a few does and ended up shooting this 10-point at 12 yards. I had this particular buck on trail cam for three years as a 10-point, and in the three years, I saw him one other time. 
He always seemed to disappear around the start of the archery season. The buck scored 131 and 7 8 inches and was aged at five and a half years old. I love your podcast and listen to it every day driving to work. Thanks for listening, Scott. And honestly, I said, oh, I said it in my post over on um, Instagram and Facebook, but this story, there's so much to learn from there. I mean, Scott was able to read the situation, take advantage of the weather front we had on the, the opening weekend last year and move in and kill this deer that he'd been watching for three years. Such a, a cool experience. And um, just a, a, a funny side note about Scott is I just actually met him in person the other day at work. He works for one of the suppliers at my my day job and came in. So I got to got to meet him in person. So that was kind of funny that I was sharing this story here in this upcoming week. So pretty cool. Um, the only other news I have for this week before we get into this episode is just that if you haven't yet checked out the new Mountain Buck Scouting video series episode, it dropped last week on my YouTube channel, which is just under my name, Bo Martonic. So with that being said, we will get into this episode here with Casey Vandergraaff and Mitch Day. All right, we're live from the, is this the basement? Would you consider this a basement? Yeah, the basement. Basement yep. of the condo at Boyne Mountain Resort, Total Archery Challenge. Casey Vandergraaf, Mitch Day, what's going on, guys? It's a Not blast. much. Yeah. Not it's, much. Full day of shooting, full day of fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The rain held off. Yeah, I was really happy about that. So we're all in a good mood. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was a It was a good day. The, the rain... Um, I was thinking it was supposed to rain pretty good. And actually, I wouldn't have minded a little bit of rain because it was pretty humid. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. But it, it was a nice day overall. Mm-hmm. Um, did you guys shoot it all today? I was able to get out and shoot. Uh, I shot the Sitka course today. Oh, did you? Yep. So that's a... I did not. I, was, I, I didn't shoot either, actually. I was doing video stuff all day. <laughs> yeah. I shot that one. We ran through that one pretty quick. But it was, it was a lot of fun. Always. These are always fun. The main objective is just... Keep try to arrows. not damage <laughs> any arrows and try to yeah. keep as many as possible yeah so yeah no it's it's super cool so far what i've seen of this like resort and stuff i love the layout it's everything's pretty close together mm-hmm. uh, i liked like it this one like the after party and stuff was right there by the booth so, like that's this layout is it's one of the best layouts in all the total yeah. charge i mean yeah. people stay they're still there right now yeah um, oh they, and i don't think they're leaving anytime no. soon nope. no no that's what I was talking to the guy next to your guys' booth, um, Jeff from um, Jack Gear. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'll stay here. He goes, at this one? He goes, I'll stay. I hang out at my booth. I'll just, you know, yeah. drink a little <laughs> bit, hang out till 10 o'clock at night. He goes, I sell more between 5 and 10 than I do during the day. Oh, yeah. Because every, everyone starts drinking and walking oh, yeah. around. Oh, Most yeah. Of them, yeah, people people pack <laughs> up at right around like 5, 6 o'clock mm-hmm. in here, like especially like badass archery shop and some of the archery shops, they're selling stuff. They'll stay open till nine o'clock just because people are hanging around, yeah, drinking, playing well, cornhole, and I know yeah. the, it was two years ago. There were multiple. Well, I think every night we would go back, eat dinner, and then go back and open the booth back up and just hang out, play cornhole, and mm-hmm. it's just it honestly feels that's when you have it. that's when you have your best conversations. Like it's yeah, a brand exactly. Like, is people just wandering and walking in your booth and chatting with them for forty five minutes and. I mean, that's the best conversations, I think. Oh, absolutely. You hear all the hunting stories and the big hunts that are coming up. It's yeah. so it makes the weekend. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree with that. Um, so, Casey, let's start off with you. Give a little bit of a 
background on who you are and your role within G5 here. All right. So um, I started at Prime and G5 five years ago um, as a graphic design intern. Um, while I was while I was here, I was going to school at Grand Valley, um, getting an advertising degree. So I kind of started out doing graphic design, worked my way up um, into a, the marketing director position at Prime. So kind of run and oversee all of Prime's marketing, and then we kind of have another guy, Ryan, who handles all of G5's marketing kind of uh, stuff. So kind of split the brands into two, and, and we're rolling with that right now. So Oh, nice. Um, Yep, but it's been fun. It's been a sweet to see the company grow the way it has, especially, I mean, five years, that was when the Rise came out. So we've had a lot of technology advancements since then. Oh, I forgot about that bow. Yeah. That bow was actually <laughs> sweet. I like that mm-hmm. bow. That was a hit or miss bow. Some really? people I love it. Oh. Some people. It's, yeah. That's, I mean, compared to now, it's not, you know, yeah. up with the technology, but yeah. I thought it was, I, I like that bow. Oh, yep. you still hear so many people that are, I, I shot that rise. I love that bow. Yep. I still have that bow. Yeah. I can't get rid of it. Yep. So, but yeah, that's kind of my role is marketing department, still a bunch of design. We only have a few guys in the marketing department. So, um, we kind of all do a little bit of everything crossover, um, with design and web and yeah. online marketing. Kind of wear a lot of hats. Stuff. So, in the, in a lot of them. Family and a lot of them there. here. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's been fun. It's, it's a fun job. It's yeah. to work. I mean, that's the thing. Wearing a bunch of hats every day is a different day. It's like today we were doing like little videos. You're in one bow. Yeah. Um, and just kind of doing little video YouTube segments and tomorrow I'll be running like Google ads and that kind of stuff. So it's just, there's a whole bunch of different stuff. Yeah. And you're, and I'll say it since you didn't, you're a fantastic photographer too. By the Thank way, you. yeah, you do excellent job. Do you do that on the side at all, or is that? Like, uh, yeah. Do you okay? Yeah, I do a little bit of on the side. So gotcha for like companies like Matthews and stuff. Yeah, like that. yeah, no yeah. Matthews. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. All the I go under yeah the name like Taylor Coleman under there. Yeah, um, yeah, <laughs> that's where I go by there. So <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But I, I you definitely are uh, very very talented on that side of things too. So that's yeah, that's pretty cool. Well, thank you. I appreciate yeah. it. Have you grown up in Michigan your whole life? Yeah. Yep. Grew up in Lake Orion, Michigan, went to school in Grand Rapids, came back here, and, um, yep. Okay. So, born and raised here, chasing. What about, about your background in hunting? Um, so, I kind of have an interesting background in hunting, I guess. So, um, I was always more on the fishing side of things. Fishing was more of a passion. Um, shot my first deer when I was, like, 10 or 11 um, with a bow, double-lunged it. It ran, like, 10, 15 yards, and just blood everywhere coughing up blood like as a 10 year old i just watched it and i was like this is not my thing like this yeah. is terrible um but did the whole <laughs> thing got it out cleaned it my dad taught me all that kind of stuff and i had probably uh like a six year where i just didn't do anything hunting i just it's i mean yeah as a younger guy i just didn't like seeing that um but kind of got used to it watched uh watched my dad shoot a few deer and and that kind of thing and and got to understand more of what hunting's about and what comes out of like that was a very ethical kill that i had at the beginning even though i didn't realize it so um to kind of get older a little bit more mature and, and to understand what's happening in the circle of life and and that kind of thing yeah. so so it was 
so now, now I'm a huge hunter, obviously. And, and that's what the majority of my life revolves around. Yeah. So, so it, it all worked itself out, but a bit of a different beginning than most people, I think. Yeah, no, that's, that's interesting. I'm glad you shared that. What about you, Mitch? What's your, what's your background on who's Mitch? So I am currently a regional sales manager for G5 and Prime. So I handle everything east of the Mississippi, uh, with the exception of Michigan, um, and then everything else in the world. So international, whether it's, you know, Canada, Mexico, or abroad. So, um, I took that role over last fall, um, and I'm really enjoying it so far. Uh, I came on with the company two and a half years ago. Uh, I was in more of the tech customer service position. Um, prior to that, I had actually worked at a prime dealer here in Michigan for three years. So I knew the bows pretty well coming into it. And uh, I mean, just grew up bow hunting. It was always kind of my dream to to work for you know a, an archery company. That was yeah. ever since I was you know younger. I was like, this is what I want to do. So it's kind of a dream job. That's, you know, what's, what's funny is hearing that you say, I didn't know that was your position, by the way. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. That's a pretty well, awesome appreciate position. That. Thank you. Um, and for some reason, I thought you had something to do with engineering or I, I didn't know because you're the guy I call when I have. Because he's so intelligent, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I have uh-huh. You helped me uh, when I was tuning um, my Nexus 4 and everything. Right. You walked me through it. I don't know. I just, I guess I assumed. Well. Uh, that's what you you were doing a lot of that stuff yeah so not that that's anything less i just meant that i just didn't no. realize that you were in sales right well starting off i i did do a lot of the the technical side the team <laughs> st- side so still do <laughs> i still do so i mean a lot of times when dealers or you know consumers are calling in they have a question on their bow it's it, they're gonna get either myself or brian so yeah like casey mentioned being in a smaller company we wear a lot of hats so we go we do everything from just helping people tune bows to just diagnosing issues to putting in orders. I mean, we kind of run the gamut there. So. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. How, what about your background in hunting? So uh, growing up, um, my whole family hunted grandpa, grandpa, you know, everybody was, was super involved in it. Um, bow hunting was kind of my dad's thing. And I was always something that I'd wanted to do from, you know, when I was very young. So I started bow hunting when I was, 10 um i shot my first deer with a gun but after that i I mean i was just instantly hooked it was just it was an obsession after that so my life at that point i was i played hockey growing up so fall was kind of busy with that so after i got out of high school started college i was able to devote a little bit more time and ever since it's just been figuring out how i can make more time to be in the woods in the fall yeah so that's that's what you just said there like that's a that's a tough, um, tough thing. Like, you know, we all love hunting and everything, but figuring out a way to make more time yeah. to do it. It's, is... I mean, it's challenging cause you're, you're definitely trying to balance just social life with, you know, yeah. your, your work and, and everything else. So, um, I mean, the last couple of years, it's been nice. I've been able to get away and pretty much make every weekend to be devoted to hunting. So yeah, pretty well, lucky that in that. Yeah. Like with Mitch and I, like we're really good friends. Yeah. So we're hanging out and we scout and go fishing mm-hmm. and go hunting and mm-hmm. hang out all the time. So it's nice when your friends do that 
exact same stuff. So oh, were yeah, you guys so. friends before working together? Mm-mm. Nope. Didn't okay. know who he was. Nope. Gotcha. I, so, and, and it's interesting because, like, you kind of get the idea, I think, at least I did from the outside looking in that anybody that worked in the hunting industry has got to hunt all the time. And that's not always the case. N- not at all. It's not the <laughs> case at all. Not at all. <laughs> you want to hunt a lot, work in the fishing industry. Yes. Yeah. No, it's it's so true. And it's funny. I remember when um when I first started, like one of the first companies I ever worked with on any magnitude was Maven Optics. And all I did was mm-hmm. work at their booth. And like I didn't have the podcast at the time or anything. I was telling about this idea. And I remember the two owners of the yeah. company told me, they said, if you love hunting and you want to hunt more, Mm-hmm. Don't get in this industry. Yeah, they told oh. me, and I was like, "Oh yeah." Well, and even like with the, like the podcast and everything, like yeah, like I did talk about, I get to do it, but it's not as much as I probably would if I did wasn't yeah. doing this. To yeah. be honest, yeah. Well, mm-hmm. with working for a bow company, uh, we launch. It's I don't know why the bow companies do it. I know there's reasons behind, but like we launch. What do we launch the first week in? November yeah, talking, last year you know so you're like part of the whitetail rut on the marketing and sales side like they're coming up with their dealer pricings and all that kind of all their numbers that they're going to run with with for the year and i'm building all of our like po- social posts and scheduling stuff and like getting prepared for this huge bow launch uh what, like during scrape week yeah <laughs> it's like you have we're at we're running trail cell cams and and you have deer actively hitting scrapes and you're sitting there making a social media post yeah about like, bow oh, supposed my. to kill these yeah. deer yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. exactly so you're just like so now we hunt a lot in early september we go out of state to do that kind of stuff so yeah just yeah i wish uh, yeah like you said if if we could hunt um we wouldn't be in this we wouldn't be in this industry. Yeah. To hunt yeah. A lot more, so. to hunt more. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I think that's a lot of it is a lot of the people that are in this industry, they just enjoy it so much. I mean, it's a yeah. like-minded community yeah. and you kind of realize you're sacrificing some hunting time, but yeah, this, you're, yeah. you're able to talk but about it all the time. You go to, like, challenge yeah, you go to events Michigan like this. Right now. Yeah, like, exactly. It's, it's, it's funny. Like for, for me, I look at it like, you know, people at my regular jobs, like, holy, like every weekend you're gone traveling these mm-hmm. places doing it. And like, that's a lot. But honestly, if that was like my regular company that was asking me to do that and cause not in the hunting industry and I would be bitching about it if I had to travel every weekend to go do things. But like, yeah. I love getting like when I'm here. I don't love the travel aspect, but I love getting to talk to everybody. Like the whole yeah. time, I'm like the days fly by. Like today oh, yeah. flew by. Oh, absolutely! And especially when people are stopping you and taking pictures with you and all that stuff, up. right? It's the rut stash. <laughs> it's the stash, it from a mile away. You, oh, you guys are laughed at the end. <laughs> right, right before I came back to the house, I was sitting there talking to Jeff, and uh, these guys came up uh, up to me, and um, these two younger guys that listened to the podcast, and their dad was like. You on like some TV show or something? Like I, just, I recognize you, and I'm like, you recognize the mustache, don't you? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, that's people don't know my name, but they know the, know the mustache. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, as uh, as um, Carl from Tethered said, he goes, the mustache walks through the door into the room before Bo does. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. <laughs> he's not wrong. Yeah, yeah. it's but. it's it's funny as part of the brand, I guess. Mm-hmm. 
the rut stash. I should be doing more with that. I came out with those stickers and I never marketed you them should, or man. never did anything with them. I was like, that, that could be a whole brand of itself. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It could. I'd buy it. Mm-hmm. I can't grow a mustache, but I'd buy it. I yeah. can't either. That's why I want but the you're sticker. you're working on it, though. You're, I'm working on it. Yeah, you're I'm gonna, actively working on it. Yeah. I mean, it's not a, when you, it's not a value, when you first, get but it, it's there. Like, I feel bad for the women in Michigan because it's, it's oh. they're done. It's it's gonna be lights out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> At least he's got the confidence. Yeah. No. You, you got to. You got to have the con- when you, when you go to the rut stash confidence level goes through the roof. Oh, it's through the roof. Some called arrogance. Some called confidence. Uh-huh. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, anyways, guys, I I wanted to talk with you about um back. I think it was back in the fall. I think I was talking to you, Casey, a little bit, and. You guys had started hunting some big woods stuff. Yeah. So yeah, Mitch and I uh, have started to hunt Ohio public land, which has got a lot of big mountains and and big woods stuff. So yeah, um, that's kind of. I mean, that's what have you, you ever and I hunted s- that before? Mm-hmm. No, no. So that's I mean, why. I mean, we watched all your YouTube videos and all your podcasts and and some of the guys because you're one of the few that do cover like big mountain mm-hmm. hunting, big bucks and in, in the mountain stuff. So. Um, yeah, just kind of dissected all that stuff, applied it our first year, um, had a little bit of, I'd, I'd call it success. We learned yeah. a lot, got some close encounters, and um, going to do it again this year. But so first of all, what from your from watching like the scouting videos and stuff, were, were is any of that helpful as far as like getting you close, yes. like with finding stuff? Yep. Yeah, being from Michigan, I'll be honest, reading a topo map was a learning curve just yeah. because everything is so flat here i mean a hill here is like 30 feet yeah we're, we're like, at the biggest mountain in michigan right yeah now, just and, about yeah it is not very big so i mean talking to people they're like well do you want to hunt the upper you want to hunt you know towards the upper third and i'm like why you just hunt in the middle you can shoot the whole hill i mean that's in michigan <laughs> yeah. you yeah. can where down there it doesn't work like that so that was huge and just identifying those major terrain features that you want to key in on and Mm -hmm. it just it was gradual it broke it down it really helped you dive more into it to identify what you need to look at and 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 you know and that's just like as it sounds like that you guys picked up on but it's like a starting point for you it's not like whatever you identify in the map very rarely is that can be the exact spot but Mm -hmm. it gets you in the area once you get boots on the ground you're learning it Mm -hmm. i always say it takes three years to learn an area like actually learn a new area i don't care how good you think you are how much you think you know like it takes a while to understand well like each area is different based off your podcast we i mean you should have saw the piece of land that we had and how many pins we had marked down yeah and then you go walk it and you're like bust like tree stand here tree stand here tree stand here bust bust um but then you find a few good spots and you uh narrow that down and start learning pieces so yeah well so what was your so you it sounds like you started like e-scouting and you were marking areas and then so what was your like plan of attack after that like once you like first drove down yeah. there and started looking at i like, would what'd say you do? it started we we started looking at which is a little bit, we started out wrong, I think, at least I did, I can't speak for mm-hmm. Mitch too, but like, I was marking all the good saddles that I thought they had, like big ravines, and they meet up and they'd have a good saddle in between. Mm-hmm. Um, but what it ended up being is we focused a lot on clear cuts, and then the saddles that came off of them, um, it, so deer kind of run in those, those clear cuts, westerly facing slopes, kind of stuff like that. Um, 
and then I think after this year, uh, we'd find scrapes in those saddles, put cameras up on them, get deer on camera, never have opportunities at them. So this year, we've really been focusing on scrapes on the on that third. So the scrapes to get hit more often by like right off of points and the kind of that stuff instead of these set these scrapes that are on the saddle that are getting hit. I mean. A lot of, we had a lot of nighttime night, nighttime photos mm-hmm. on it. So, yeah. and we were getting deer, and we were really excited to see that these deer were in the area. But those aren't the, and we were hunting those scrapes. Yeah, and they just weren't the scrapes that were producing like we needed to. Mm-hmm. So this year, we've really narrowed it down to, like we we have we found a few scrapes really recently that are active in the summer um, that we know are going to be really good primary scrapes and. Um, they're not on those saddles. They're on the third. So we know that they're going to be hit a little bit earlier, hit during scrape week. So when you were yeah. saying like you were checking the saddles, like basically on the top, like yeah. right on the, the top. top of yeah. The we, would, like, we would literally, we would walk the tops Yeah, and mm-hmm. we'd find scrapes and set. And I mean, and that's it, it seemed no. like every saddle had scrapes, whether, I mean, whether it be just a little tiny one or if it was a giant scrape, but we were getting deer hitting them all the time, but just. You don't get them in daylight very often. And, up top, we noticed. And before I let Mitch go on that point, I don't think you did that wrong. I think what you did there was be able, like, I'll run cameras on those types of scrapes mm-hmm. because it lets you know what's in the area. Those are yeah. travel areas. Oh, yeah. We'll Whether still do that. But, in daylight or yeah. not, yeah, that may not be an area you want to hunt, yep. but you're able to kind of learn what the deer there. that are now. Now you got a piece of the puzzle. Now you're starting to work. Okay, mm-hmm. where are they potentially betting at? You know, depending on the time of year, where are the does betting at, and you know, being able to focus on that. What What was your thoughts on? That? Well, starting out, I mean, we went down there and we made like a short weekend trip for just to hang cameras uh, mid September. The first thing I learned was. The topo map, it doesn't lie to you, but the scale is much broader. Mm -hmm. So when you look at something, you're like, oh, there's a cut here. There's a bunch of good betting points. There's a saddle right in between. This is going to be money. Little do you realize, like, that's a three-mile hike between the betting and the clear cut. So there's quite a bit of space there for that deer to travel that you have to narrow down. Mm -hmm. Um, But starting out, yeah, like Casey said, we, we focused a lot on saddles in between major terrain features yeah um, which it gave us a starting point because we were able to run cameras and we got quite a few deer on camera that we were like pretty pumped about um but i think where we ran into our block was once we got those deer we didn't know how to tackle it so mm-hmm. i mean we hunted a lot of farm country and stuff like that where you you can try to tackle you know a bedding area where there's a few bedding areas where with the big woods there's like five points and there's probably going to be one deer on one of those points so it's take mm-hmm. a guess so, yeah and yeah because like i'll kind of go off that a little bit because i remember having this conversation with mitch and i was just like so i was like how do you hunt these deer because like okay so right now we're banking on a deer being bedded on this point so there's that might not be his primary bed. He might be using three other beds, but we're like, all right, we're going to bank on him sitting, betting on this point. Now we're also banking on him running this ridge down, which is, he could go anywhere. We're banking on him going down there and then coming up and using this saddle. And I was just like, the odds of all of this coming together are so slim. Mm -hmm. 
compared to farm country when you're like, all right, he's bedded right here. Yep. This is his train feature. He's going to ride down and he's going to go out to the ag field and you're going to catch him in between. And it's like very predictable and you can kind of do your research based on it. But like, I think trips, uh, cell cams will help us a lot this year with that kind of stuff to be able to pattern it a little bit more. But just like looking at it, I was like this, so many things have so, to happen right for this deer to come down the right path. So what did, what did those points look like? Did they have any cover out on them or was it more like mature open timber? Where we found most of our, our better bedding that we that we would assume bucks were using was it was semi open. Um, but we found most of the beds on the edge of thick. So mm-hmm, whenever yeah. you'd have like an older cut or even just an kind of an opening where you get a bunch of green briar and some new growth coming through, they'd be on that edge and they're watching the open. Um, yep. And normally that deer has textbook a lot yep. of stuff to yep. its advantage. I mean, the wind's in its advantage and they're, they can see anything coming. Yep. So. That's another thing that was tough for us to, to figure. Once we figured that piece out, we're like, how do we get in here to where this deer isn't going to see us or smell us? Yeah. And you're like, you, well, we, you, we got to a few beds where we're just like, you can't. impossible. Yeah, you can't. Yeah. This, you, deer. And, this deer is in the perfect spot to get away. To, and yeah. literally, sometimes they are impossible. Like, you can't yeah. get close to them. Mm-hmm. Like, at that point, like, when I look at that, it's like, okay. Sometimes you, the closest you can get to a bed is 300 yards, like depending mm-hmm. on the mm-hmm. way the wind goes. Sometimes they're in an area because it swirls good, mm-hmm. and there's, there's so many different, and a lot of it's just screwing it up to understand that that's yeah. the way it is. There's just literally. Yeah. But those um, are kind of the beds that we were talking about where I was like, we can't get into this deer, and we have to bank on him doing all of these things to get to where we're at. Yeah. And it's just like. So what time of deer. year were you guys hunting there? Well, we hunted. We hunted a mixed bag, so we spent quite a bit of time hunting that. What, uh, six, we had it's a six-hour drive for us. Yeah, so we so, made a few trips on the weekends to get yeah, down. So, so we had what one trip in mid-October. Mm-hmm. Um, we had our rut vacation, which was the first week in November, and then we made a few weekend trips late November, and then we made another couple-day trip between Christmas and New Year's. Mm-hmm. Okay. Did you find any concentrated doe bedding at all, or was it pretty sporadic? The doe bedding, there were a couple spots that we found that there would be does consistently using an area. Uh, the bedding wasn't, I wouldn't say consistent, like they were using the same bedding area. The release ridge. I yeah. Think. There yep. we, every time we sat there, we saw we saw does come out of this clear cut mm-hmm. and, and just stay along this westerly facing slope, and they were just hanging out there for a day they'd go in and out but yeah and then there was one spot that i hunted spot, that yeah. they would they would head out a certain way and they'd come back pretty much the same way in the morning but they were going to a different spot on that ridge it may only be 200 yards over or even yeah. in one case it was mm-hmm. like 50 yards over um but it was it was a little bit of a different spot every single time interesting yeah, but I mean, I'm not surprised with the cuts. Like, yeah. does love and mm-hmm. does will do different stuff than bucks too. Like, so does doe bedding is weird. Like, sometimes you'll find doe bedding on the wide open ridge of a point, and this is because they can be in a circle of each other and mm-hmm. they got each other's eyes. So it don't really matter what the wind's doing. It don't matter what the cover's looking mm-hmm. like. They just and I I ha- I truly believe that 
a lot of times does will bed like kind of on the top and the bucks will be over the edge of the, the ridge. Mm-hmm. And those bucks set those does up for failure. They yep. set them up so that if you bump those does, they run and they alert that buck it's before that alarm. you even get there. And they go off because. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You know, bucks, they're not, they're not politically correct and they're not, they don't think that. Oh, it's survival. I that women are equal to them, and you know the does are equal to them at that point, and they're like, "All right, you, they're the you superior. got, yeah, yeah. they're well, the superior." That's just the way that, that. I mean, it's survival better yeah. you than me. Yeah. yeah, and they're dominant, mature, and and that's just the way that you know, especially the the mature bucks that they'll yeah. operate like that. I truly believe believe that, and it's in it. Like I said, it, it all depends on the time of year on how you're hunting those specific you know spots like mm-hmm. you like those beds you were talking about you know the buck the buck bedding it's more important to be closer to that during like that mid-october time frame than it is yeah. during the rut then you're like those clear-cut edges or whatever is probably more you know beneficial and again every area is a little bit different but yeah what you're talking about like the upper third those benches mm-hmm. that are just like down mm-hmm. over a little bit that's just like yeah well and that was freaking um, money yeah oh yeah I mean, that was a major key. I mean, we, like, going back to the saddles, we figured out, like, oh, they're hitting these, but they're not, if they are, they're not spending much time on them, and most mm-hmm. of the time it's at night. So, we really tried to narrow where deer were spending more of their daylight time, and yeah. that's what we came to, was that top third, whenever you get a spot that flattened out, there was a heavy deer trail. Yeah, and, like, it's fun getting big deer on camera, and it's great for inventory, but yeah. we got to the point where we're, like... We need to get deer on camera that we can kill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that was more important to us. So, yeah. And w- one thing that's interesting that, that I, Nathan Killen, when I had talked to him, like he really drove this point home and I is like, okay. And cause I, I've noticed that we're all run cameras on scrapes and especially during a rut, I might hunt that spot. I, there was one day I literally saw which is incredible for the deer population where I'm at. But I saw seven different bucks. There was only like one of them that was mature, but I saw a bunch of bucks and my camera was right in front of me. None of them walked in front of it. Some would have like brushed the strap and like did like, your cameras aren't telling you everything. Yeah. Well, but it's like, but, and he always talks about them running. Like you say, you find those flat benches and they'll run like just, over the edge of it well, or just the buck above that it. you you were just telling us the other day the buck that you ended up killing during gun season this year yeah was they didn't have on camera right yeah and like he knew he was, was there 120 yards away a cell camera and he didn't and have thought, him on there in almost two months yeah which is nuts he's still right there yeah he's right there so yeah and and that was that was a uh he wasn't on the upper third he was probably towards more of the half of the hill but the what like halfway down almost in the lower third but the reason for that was there was acorns on that lower third towards the bottom and not up towards the top so it shifted his bedding a little bit Mm -hmm. you know based off of of that but like literally where i was sitting at this bench you would not be able to identify from a map it was so small and i actually sat down and i was like i have a rifle and i can't see very far because just the way it laid out i couldn't i'm like but if i was a big buck and i was trying to like sneak around this is like the most micro terrain feature yeah. that they're working on that's where yeah again the e-scouting will get you to a point and then you kind of got to be able to assess it when you get in there what's like who who is who's i talking to today oh it's john eberhart he was like he was like you got to look at it like 
if I'm trying to survive, like look at it from a deer's perspective, mm-hmm. if I'm trying to survive at any moment during the day, like someone's constantly hunting, if you were the hunted, how would you move through an area? And that's right. like, it's so simple. Yeah. But it's so. It's, <laughs> that's what I said. I said there's no way I'm yeah. that consistent. Yeah. Like, I might no. be good for a little bit, and I'm like, Shit. Well, I just get hungry a lot. So I'm like, yeah. all right, well, I'm going to the cornfield. Like, oh, especially I'm dead. I'm super hungry. Yeah, I'm gonna eat. You know, I'm yeah. gonna go out in this wide open cornfield and get mm-hmm. smoked. Yeah, but yeah, it's just it's it's interesting. Yeah. Oh yeah. Did you um and um in the spot that you hunted? Did you see much for sign of rubs? Like, did you see many rubs? We'd find a few. Um, a lot what of them were scrapes. signpost rubs in the bottoms. Um, we saw a ton of those on any sort of pine, any soft yeah. Yeah. wood tree. Yeah, pine that's torn up. I mean, they'd be torn up. Yeah. And it was kind of a good indicator of... You yeah, always love to hear that. Yeah, that's always good. Um, it was a good indicator of whether or not that was an area that we would want to definitely dive deeper into. Uh, there were a few spots that we would walk bottoms and... You you wouldn't have much for rubs, and then you'd get into them, and you go up the hill, and you're getting a deer sign right away. And mm-hmm. generally, it's buck sign with yeah. scrapes. Uh, the the smaller faint trails, uh, just below the the bigger trails. Yeah, uh, the stuff that you really want to get into. No, that's I mean, yeah, you guys. But it was it was picking up on it pretty quick. It was always on the bottom. It seemed like we get very few rubs up. Yeah, I uh, could. I can think of a handful, and most of those were still on, like, softwood trees. Did like you run any cameras in the bottoms? We didn't. I, we are this. Um, I'm trying to think. I, I had so many cameras that I've moved around. We did run a camera in a bottom late season. All you got was some bobcat, right? Well, <laughs> on that bottom. That one, and then the one just off of a food source. Um, yeah. That one was, it was very interesting. That was one of the spots that we were like, how do you, you, you can't hunt it, based on the way the access lays out. Um, there was a, the small ag field that there was a, a pretty good scrape and we threw a camera on that, but all the, all the deer were just nighttime. Mm-hmm. I mean, two, three, four in the morning Really? Yeah. for, I mean, there weren't, there wasn't even does on camera. So what I would, what I would tell you, if you find, so I started running cameras on signpost rubs in the last couple of years. I'd never ran cameras on rubs. I thought rubs were bullshit, but I started doing it on those signpost ones. You could tell are just like almost hourglass shape because yep. they've been mm-hmm. hit every year. And I would take forehead gland scent and spray, and yeah. spray it on there. There's this one buck I was hunting that I think I've shared both. You guys, some of the, the photos of him, but yep. he's incredible. And every time I'd spray that and I'd be in there within 24 hours, he would tear that rub up. Yeah. Destroy it. Like, with aggression, like mm-hmm. get the hell out of my area. And I got some really cool information from that around a camera on that rub. So what I also do, even when I have a signpost rub, especially if it's on like hemlock or pine or anything, I'll make a scrape on the same like overhanging branch there. And although only some bucks will hit that rub, there'll be a lot that pass it. Yep. That go go through the area check it. and uh, yeah, and just like it's just like a kind of a travel yep. corridor for them. And it was interesting because I actually saw some really small bucks hit that really big rub mm-hmm. that would, you know, they weren't really doing damage to it like that big one would. But they'd go and they'd touch it up a yeah. little bit and try to try to act dominant for a minute. Yeah, and uh, it it was just it was interesting. And if I was like. If I were to tell you guys like any advice with it is like, and you find either a signpost or like a big community scrape in those bottoms, 
throw a camera on it and don't move it all year. Even if you're not getting any photos yeah. on it, just letting them. Cause what I've mistake I've made is moving cameras too much. And <laughs> we learned I, that too. I will say <laughs> Mitch is the king of that. <laughs> I will say yeah. that like, I've gained such an inventory of cameras that I know it's different. If you're only running a few cameras or for guys that are listening, that are like, you know, all right, I only got three or four cameras. Like that's, I understand that you want to move them around having the best spot, but if you can just leave them go, you learn so much because it'll be a, a lull. I'll have like a month of nothing. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, boom, that you're getting, they're moving, they're hitting there. And then you learn so much. Okay. Well, we, maybe every year that this time of year there, this is a good spot. It might not be the rest of the year, right? but that's yeah. where leaving those. Well, cameras we up definitely helps. learned that this year. Cause we, there's one spot that Mitch has been hunting. He threw a camera up there, had deer on camera, had a few bucks and we hunted it. He hunted it a few times in November. Mm-hmm. One of the few cameras you left up. Yeah. And then we went there late January, picked up that camera and they, they had like, we had bucks like on does chasing oh. like mid January. Yeah. Midday, two o'clock, you'd have a doe run by like the camera. hot on does. Oh yeah. And the camera's on video mode. So it was, it was pretty cool. You'd have a doe run by and you're like, well, we've had coyotes and then here comes a buck and here comes another one. And then here comes a third one. Like just nose to the ground, dog and like, nose to the ground, bird like dog nose. First week of November, like what you normally see. And it was in January. January. Mid January. Mid January. 21st, 22nd, oh, 23rd. Really? Mm-hmm. Like, that's we were, oh, we bucks were, full we on fighting, it. like pushing each other, like not just. We'll have no, to show you the foot we have. Yeah, it. I want to see that. It's weird. <laughs> it, it was super, super strange, um, but it did prove to us, like, you got to. We put a camera out in daylight too. Yeah. Oh, this chasing is all two o'clock in the afternoon. Chasing dog mm-hmm. and doe. It was f- six, 55, 60 degrees. It it was just it was on. There must have been that one last hot doe, and mm-hmm. everybody wanted a piece of it. You know, and I was talking to my my taxidermist about this. He sees hundreds and hundreds of deer coming every year, and people telling stories. And he was talking about the different ruts and like he said if you have a really good buck to doe ratio like a lot of bucks per doe you don't have as much of that second and third rut Mm -hmm. so you don't have as much of the december and the january rut as if you have a little bit of an offset if you have more does in the area then they're not all they all can't be bred during that first season and they kind of and then there's you know the theory of like some of the younger almost like fawns that are able to come into estrus in january and that's when that's you know typically taking it it's it's, it was an interesting way of like looking at it and he was talking about it because he's like oh you know your area like i have one of the areas i hunt has a really good buck to doe ratio like Mm -hmm. my cameras i get more bucks than i do does and even what i see and they go super hard in that first rut but i don't see as much of the later yeah, ruts as, as you do in areas that are a little bit more offset yep. and uh it's it's an interesting um yeah it was an interesting theory kind of looking at it but uh my buddy johnny stewart always talks about that january rut and he was and that's what made me start leaving my cameras up i'd always pull them like honestly i used to only run cameras until last week archery and i pull them because i was worried about bear hunter in pennsylvania and bear hunters and rifle hunters stealing them so I, mm-hmm. and now i just kind of risk it and leave them up all mm-hmm. like 
basically all year Putting just to learn. I've learned yeah. so m- I've lost a couple cameras, but I've learned so much by doing that and seeing that yeah. different. It, this year I had a spot that I literally thought was just a good regular November kind of rut spot. It was a primary scrape with a, a big uh, rub next to it on the edge of this clear cut up towards almost towards the top of the hill. There was some hemlocks that butted up against it. A lot of good, like everything kind of met in one spot. And the best time of the year was during December on that scrape, bucks hitting it in daylight during rifle season. And then in January, I'd have four bucks in a photo fighting, doing all this stuff. And it's just, when you find areas like that, you just got to take note of it. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. It's, it's cool. It, it was definitely interesting because there were a lot of cameras. Generally, I do a lot of the same, uh, being from Michigan, we, don't like to leave anything out during the gun season um there's a good chance it grows legs and walks off so i mean that's kind of been a habit so but this year we weren't able to get back down there so there were a lot of cameras that we left up i mean mid-november through the end of the season we went and picked them back up when we were you know postseason scouting and shed hunting in end of february early march and we learned a ton um one it gave us a good inventory on what bucks made it through the season um and then, I mean, there were a couple cameras that we had in a smaller area where there was one deer that we got on camera um, within two days, but he's both headed back to kind of like a same area. He's heading, you know, east to west in one and heading north to south or south to north in the other. But this, I mean, if you draw lines, they're both meeting in, you know, pretty much a general location. Right so. Yeah, where the east meets west. Exactly. Yeah, yeah right, there. right there. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> had to work that in yeah had to but yeah i mean if we'd have taken our cameras down you know after we were done hunting in the rut it we'd have never learned that what was your hunting pressure like there versus michigan oh not even in the same yeah. was, <laughs> that's why we like it yeah yeah because yeah. if we it seems like for the most part we when you make a mistake down there it's it's your fault yeah like and i love i love that that's yeah, you can own it 100%. It's yep. not someone came in and screwed you up mm-hmm. or you, people are, you know, boogering up the area when you're not even there. Exactly. And no, that's 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 cool. That's I I love hunting areas mm-hmm. like that too. It's just Yep. Yeah. Well, the other thing too is hunting the hills it it gives you a little bit of an advantage. I mean, you can put some sweat equity in and really get over a few hills and get yeah. away from a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, the only thing we really kind of didn't expect uh that we ran into was just people coming in off private uh, and like four-wheeler trails yeah uh, you don't expect that at all yeah uh, and then you're out scouting and illegal like, entry yeah illegal entry you run into a uh, feeder feeders uh, public 400 yards uh, off private <laughs> yeah. really we just yeah. walked three miles to get away from everybody and he's i mean if he was doing it legally and that was right on the you know the border props to him he's he's taken every advantage but no i i hate that and there's 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 not a whole lot you can do about it it's like i came it's not like a dnr officer's gonna walk three miles back like we did to go check check it out out. yeah yeah so it's just kind of there's enough woods to get off it off move on yeah you just exactly and you just gotta you can't get down about it you're just like whatever this just crosses off yeah and i mean the nice thing is we were pretty upbeat about it we're like all right well we know where the deer aren't so Mm -hmm. and the other cool thing was we ran across that feeder but we jumped deer on the way there 
Yeah. So we could almost treat that as the destination is that feeder. We're hunting them going to that feeder. And there were a few spots that we ran into that yeah. were similar to that that we'll probably take advantage of next year. Yeah. No, I, I, I've had that this past spring. I was scouting and I was like, I felt like I was like so far back. I didn't even want to walk back to it. And I'm like, man, this is like, this is killer. It's fine. Good sign. Then I go up and I find a mineral site and I'm like, okay, you're allowed mineral sites in this spot. Like, mm-hmm. and then I see a ladder stand over. I'm like, nobody's carrying a ladder stand there. And then all of a sudden I follow these big caution tape ribbons out to a, a four wheeler trail. It's not supposed to be there. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was actually kind of funny. What I, what I did was I took that caution tape and I put it in a circle yeah. so that <laughs> in the dark you go through it. And I would, I don't mess with anybody's <laughs> stuff, but they're doing something completely illegal as it is. Yeah, so I was like, right. yeah, I'll make a little fun out of it. Uh, right through some thick ass shit. Like, <laughs> just like, <laughs> Ew, yeah, that's going to be an open uh, morning surprise. Oh yeah. It was, it was funny, but, um, no, I, I mean, oh, that's funny. you hate seeing that and I'm not going to hunt there. So I'm just like, yeah, I just cross it off the list and move uh-huh. on. And that was something I used to get really bothered about people like running mm-hmm. into them. Not that normally people aren't doing anything wrong. Yeah, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, baiting is, but like if someone's already beat you to a spot or whatever, but I just, oh, that's- I just look at it as, okay, cross it off. Yeah. I, I look, I try to look at it as this person's probably going to screw it up. Yeah. And I need to, I need they to work on the way we that. do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yep. And maybe that person is really good. I'm not yeah. saying they're not, but if you, you just got to look at it that way, you got to have the mindset yeah, of mm-hmm, for sure. move along. Cause otherwise if you get so hung up on people, then it's just like, yeah. Right. Is, uh, as Johnny always tells me, he's like, you get, he's like, you got to hunt the deer, not the people. Like you, mm-hmm, you can't right. worry about people. You well, just got to move along. Yeah. And that's, that's something that's kind of different hunting out of Michigan is because in Michigan, a lot of people say it is you're, almost hunting the people as much as you are the deer yeah because you're, you're trying to almost find the spots where if you were to go on an onyx map and take a piece and just go mark every tree stand on it and find the hole where there's no tree stands that's where the deer are going to be yeah <laughs> so it's kind of like a process of elimination and going out of state it's mm-hmm. it's the exact opposite you yeah. just have to focus on that's like what pennsylvania during rifle season you get it like <laughs> that's what i i always said i was terrible at hunting rifle season because i didn't i was taking i was thinking about it too much mm-hmm. and really i just have to go to the places that almost like escape routes for deer or just that's like, what he hunts in michigan yeah um there's a, a there's a one small piece that we we turkey hunt on quite regularly and during bow season it's it's pretty spotty but gun season it's pretty consistent opening morning you can sit there and you can hear the four-wheelers fire up on all the properties surrounding it. And there's one main escape route. It's kind of a funnel that it's pushing every deer out of the woodlot that all the hunters are coming in from through that funnel. So if you get there early enough, you know there's going to be your initial push of deer when the people are coming in. Yeah. And then Use throughout the morning, advantage. it's just watching them funnel through. And then you get another influx at Yeah, go in there just like those guys bump the deer and see how he bumps and then mm-hmm. hunt him yeah. when you know somebody's going <laughs> That's there. exactly it. And yeah. I learned that just from watching. There was one more opening morning that I normally don't hunt a lot of gun season openers, but I watched eight deer come through this one little funnel of just thick. And I'm like, that's weird. So the next year I, I moved to stand closer to it and I hunted that next gun opener and same thing, eight, 10 deer, right? 
first light, all of them came through that opening within 15 yeah. yards. So it's like uh, just a matter of time. Eventually, there's going to be a one that's worth shooting, you know, not the Michigan 11 point. Yeah. But. Yeah, the old spike or the old, oh, old, yeah. old goal post. Mm-hmm. So yep. You get some big ones up there. You're tempting. Yeah. <laughs> no, let's no. talk about Ohio again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, back yeah. <laughs> I don't want to talk about Michigan. You said it. No, um, but like, so going into this year, as you're going into Ohio, one, I guess, how... Are you planning on different times of year going into hunt it? Did you do any postseason scouting? Like, give me a little bit of background on that. Yeah, so I think we'll do things. So we're gonna plan on running a lot more cameras than we did last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so we hunt. It's Mitch and I, and then we actually hunt with our buddy. His name's Ryan Valley. Shout out to Ryan. Loves the podcast. But he uh, he's been hunting there for years, and actually this year early season. He had a camera out, uh, what was that, October, like, you kind Is of Ryan went, here uh, today, by the way? Yeah. 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 He had the East Meets West hat on? Yep. Yeah, yeah I met him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah awesome. he, he wears that hat all the time. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. But he, uh, we were down there, we were mostly scouting, putting cameras out. We weren't really planning on hunting that early October. Um, and they had, on their cameras that they already had out, um, they were getting bucks pretty consistently early October daylighting on scrapes. So we're, I mean, we're most likely going to try something like that, get them on those scrapes. So we know they're going to be hitting early um, and possibly make a move instead of hanging cameras. Like we thought early season, we'll probably end up hunting early season. Right. So So we did a lot of postseason scouting. Um, A lot. We really (laughs) tried to focus on primary scrapes on, you know, smaller benches on side Hills. So, we figured that's where most of your bucks are going to spend most of their daylight time. Uh, we really wanted to focus in on on those areas. So it's pretty much just run cameras there and watch the weather. You know, you get mm-hmm. a nice cold front coming through, kind of like we did last year. And yeah. that, you know, that last week, October, and that's when we were seeing a lot of those deer daylighting. So that's kind of going to be the move. Uh, mm-hmm. Just kind of hang out and really focus on that scrape week time frame yeah. on those primary yeah. scrapes. No, I, I think I think you guys are thinking of it right. I mean, the weather is so. Oh, it's well, so that's huge. What, last year the weather like that's why we chalk it up as like a very educated loss. Like we learned a lot and whatever, but like the we hunted the rut last year and it was so bad. Like we the first day we got there, it was cold and then mm-hmm. it just we had that hot spell and it's like mm-hmm. we yeah. every game plan that we had changed because we were like. It's so hot. We're not seeing anything up top, and we just like, well, yeah. Well, maybe they're in the bottoms because it's colder. Tried to hunt the bottoms, didn't see much. Like we saw more action in the first day than we did the entire rest of the year. Yeah, because it yeah. was still cold. Yeah, and well, the the tough thing was, you know, we did two or three days of pretty decent activity, and then we hit that warm front, and not only were we not seeing deer where we were hunting, but our cameras, cameras in different dead. spots and they all just went dead i mean there was zero daytime activity you get you know a few does here and there at night but it was it was super frustrating because you just don't know where the deer went yeah Uh, so i mean we spent a lot of time trying to narrow that down um which we ended up finding out it was just water sources it was kind of pretty basic but being most of the water sources are in the bottom 
it's it's tough to hunt and find yeah. find the ones especially, where they don't swirl especially in areas where like steep bottoms come together yeah. like where I, most of my bottom areas that i hunt are like are where they kind of have a little bit of a gradual and there's like or a wider bottom that gives you and then you basically even in the steeper areas you basically got to be in a tree that's on the creek bank because you can take advantage of those thermals that are pulling down because i don't care almost any time you're not going to get swirling right at the creek yep you're going to get that it's going to pull downstream if you can hunt right on that creek it sucks it's so noisy if you want to talk about like uh, Chinese water torture. It's the same thing. Yeah. You oh, that's yeah. the, like yep. that babbling crick, which you know that puts people to sleep most of the time. But it's also not. Uh, <laughs> it it's it's tough to hear deer. Like you yeah, got to yeah. be on on it all yeah, the time for sure. There there was one spot that I I tried to hunt that it was uh, it was a big drainage that came down and it was interesting when we kind of scouted that spot. We were walking, and you could just feel the thermal pull just hit you. Yeah. I mean, you'd feel the wind kind of at your back, and then all of a sudden it hit you in the side of the face. So mm-hmm. there was a decent scrape there, and I, I haunted it. And like you said, you couldn't hear anything but the water. Yeah. So it, and, I mean, the woods, <clears throat> they're pretty noisy, but nothing compared to that water. It, yeah. It's pretty insane. Yeah. But, like, during that hot spell... We ended up. I mean, like I like we said, our cameras just went dry. Every spot we were, we were running in. It was just couldn't find anything, and we're driving through this spot that just luckily I was. There's this little stream going by, and I was like, Mitch, pull over. I just want to see if there are any fish in the stream. Like it looked like a good spot to see a little trout or whatever. Yeah. And we get out of the car, and immediately both of our both of us are like, it's it cold. is cold right here. Yeah. And then we're like, all right, like no fish in the stream whatever kind of oh, let's, off, let's actually go check out that spot since we can't find anything cool go in there and it's just like the bottom shredded. shredded like this yeah. is the spot that we're now concentrating on the most this year just because of the sign we saw in there and but like just absolutely shred and it's just stayed cold the whole week we were there yeah. but unlike we i mean we found it the last what day two days the we last were there. two days did yeah. the bottoms have any like pine or hemlock in it or it's anything? all pretty it was, much it was this, yeah it was this man. little patch of pine and like i'd say every other tree was torn yeah. up and like it didn't matter like if it was softball basketball, size or like basketball, basketball size, size it was it was it was hit really so yeah it was it was one of those things where we crossed the creek and and you just pop up over the bank and you see the first rub and you're just like uh yeah. You got to yeah. come look at this. Oh, doesn't that make you feel? Oh, it was like, like the oh, best, yeah. like adrenaline rush. Yeah. You're like hell yeah, I'm back in the game. Yeah. You know, so yeah. But it was like also frustrating because like we find all this stuff and then we just kind of work our way out of the pines and we're like, it just where's the boom, sign at? Gone. Like where? What's going on? And we couldn't yeah. find much. And then later on towards the end of the year, um, we ended up making our way back there and like a few ridges over, like we just found another just ton of sign that we're just like that so all that pine that's nighttime sign and they're living over here but we cannot wait to throw cameras there oh man. like we yeah, just a, great oh, yeah. service so we're like mm-hmm. cell cameras are gonna be awesome yeah can, like, can you is there service in the bottom uh not in the, not bottom, in the bottom i was but gonna you say. get on the tops and you'll but like we found a few service. scrapes on those the top third yeah that were you active when did we find those scrapes that was uh i mean that was March, uh, early, early March. And they were still we wide open. And they're still wide open. Um, we were like, these are going to be really I good scrapes. a few trips back there. I mean, just trying to find sheds. And then I went down there turkey hunting too. And 
I mean, there was active scrapes in mid-May. I mean, it was it looked like summer down there, and the scrapes are wide open, and the ground was hit. Yeah. I mean, I've seen licking branches all year, but that was one of the few times where I've seen the ground actually tore up. Mm-hmm. That, you know, late into the year. Yeah. Or no, early in the year. Yeah. No, I I love scrapes. That's like my, my oh, thing. Yeah. They just, yeah. just make you feel good. But during, during that hot week you were talking about, so that's when Justin was out filming me. I think that's when you and I were texting back and forth when you were down there. And and yep. we were like, after I pulled all my cameras after the year, like we were so close, but yet so far, like there was a couple of times we were within 120 yards of like my target buck. And he mm-hmm. was during those hot, he was moving still during daylight, but he was in closer to the bottoms and then like the hemlock pine type areas where it was cooler and we were hunting it just not at the exact right spot and mm-hmm. what I, what i would take from my learning experience because my first time hunting a specific area last year was that i need to not bounce around so much even if you're not seeing stuff if you see the sign or whether it's your cameras that tell you or if it's just like you feel good about it, you got to give it time. Like I try to give a spot at least three days, unless it's like mm-hmm. like you have some reason to really want to go. But like you just got to have it in your mind. Like this is still good, even though I didn't see any deer, nothing. Like you got to give That's what, spots time because the big ones, man, they're not doing the same thing every day. Yeah, I don't know if it was your podcast. It was I think his. It was the, where yeah. you were talking about deer in a three day rotation. Yeah, right? yeah, that was Steve Shirk is big on he. Um, so he's from. Uh, northern pennsylvania and he uh he he has a three-day strategy like it's a rule of his he lives like by it like it's the bible Mm -hmm. like he hunts he'll he moves like him and i differ a little bit where i'll hunt the same spot all day where he has a morning and an afternoon spot but he goes in three day like he'll hunt that for three straight days that morning spot that afternoon spot three straight days no luck there then he'll move to plan b and like Even if you're not seeing anything, like you just got to give it time because those deer have so many options and so many so to see trails. That, to see do that year round, like, is that just like an early October thing? Is like, what is is he doing that same thing in the rut? Are those deer that, still those are mostly because like because he guides too on public land, so he mostly only has the third week October to hunt for himself. Okay, and that's, that's a good when time to that's when he's doing that. Yeah, okay. so that's a good time to pattern those deer. I mean, it can be applied you know throughout but like for me i just i i realize like i go and when i used to i i always i laugh at this i felt like i was more successful when i didn't know as much because i would literally i just knew that a deer would eventually pass through an area and i was stubborn enough where i could sit like six days in a row in the same tree during the rut and eventually i'm gonna have one opportunity at a good buck if i just sit my ass there because I, I can assume that the area you guys are hunting are similar. It's not like a ton of deer. So you're not like blowing a spot out by hunting it multiple days. Mm-hmm. But like, and then I, all of a sudden I'm like, oh, cool. Mobile hunting. And like, I can move around more. I can yeah. do this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I start bouncing around too much that I, I was literally just like killing my own chances. Cause I was moving yeah. because everything got lighter. I got saddle hunting. I was like, mm-hmm. I can move around so much more. And that was a detriment to my plan because I wasn't, you know, I, I had the ability to move easier. When I was putting up fixed stands or using a climber, I didn't want to move. So I'd almost sit there out of laziness. Mm-hmm. And so, like, you can still be mobile, 
but not be like reckless with moving around so much and yeah and giving the spot the amount of time that you need so yeah that's that's something that like um you know and now it's like i'm not going to sit in the same spot for six days most likely but if i can give it three days like steve's mm-hmm. kind of taught that, my dad does that a lot too it's just like you got to give a spot time yeah. and eventually it's gonna it's gonna work out like if you find one of those good spots that you're finding yeah it might suck but if you can sit there for multiple days oh, yeah it's it's not the most like rewarding feeling yeah. but it can be good yeah well that's what our buddy ryan has said because he's hunted there for i think three years prior to when we were there and and that's what he told us from the beginning he's like he's like you're gonna sit a spot for three days you're not going to see a single deer and then you're going to see a deer and your first deer. He's like, it's going to be a good deer. Yeah. Like you're not going to see a lot of them, but when you do, it'll be a, a mature deer. That's just kind of the area we hunt. Yeah. So, I mean, I've heard that a lot. I guess the first thing that pops to my head would be, I mean, so for that, are you talking hunting like a specific tree or are you hunting like an area based on, are you like, I guess specific are you a tree. specific tree? Yeah. I mean, are you adjusting based on wind direction at all or do you find that, that's that like can a big vary. thing? You're right. That um, can, that can <laughs> throw things off. A lot of the times I'll be honest, I'm probably not the best person to ask about window or scent control <laughs> because like it varies so much and you'll get different gusts and stuff. Like I try to like be in the best odds, but if like the wind direction well, s- switches, I'm not climbing down right? because it's, 10 minutes later it could do the same like if you're always hunting the perfect wind you'll never hunt because you're always climbing and moving because like, yep. i don't know if you guys notice that at all but it's like yeah it's never exactly what it's gonna say right it no and one thing that we've noticed too is there's different wind directions in different spots so what the weather calls for and what it's actually doing it's almost yep. never the same and that's um, that's hard so like, that that is, is frustrating a huge challenge you like, get to a spot based on wind and playing wind and then you get there and it's running up the ravine and you're yeah like, and you're like oh. yeah. again that's part of the, the the what i talk about the three-year strategy because like you don't yeah. know that stuff i don't care how good mm-hmm. again you think you are scouting everything every spot's so different yep. i have a spot and i've talked about on the podcast before but that is thick hemlock on the side hill that the wind direction is always downhill thermals never change because it never gets sunlight because it's always yep has the thick cover above and always blows down so my setups are below the trail i want to shoot to mm-hmm. and it, it's not like you think of oh once the daylight come, like once it gets it warms up the hill you want to be above it because the thermals that doesn't happen mm-hmm. you can't i'm at eye level with the deer when i'm shooting them yeah you know and that's well i guess that's where i, I love you know hunting out of the saddle because i have the tree in front of me and you can be on that eye level and not have you don't worry about spooking them. Mm-hmm. You're, you're hunting out of a saddle now, aren't you, Mitch? Yeah, I've actually hunted out of a saddle for four or five years now. So oh, I started. Shit. You're with, a veteran. I wouldn't go that far. I started with the original like trophy line saddle, um, just trying to use like different presets, and I did it because I didn't want to buy a bunch of tree stands. So yeah. I just would put screw in steps in and be like, "All right, I'm running this. Save me money." Yep. Um, and then I've going forward i uh just hunting public stuff it was just nice to not have to carry a giant stand yeah um but yeah i i really like using the saddles um yeah i actually bought kind of a mini tree stand this year to kind of use as a hybrid setup so pretty pumped for that this year oh yeah that'll be that'll be pretty sick yeah and and, and casey's I'm, getting into it this year yeah 
So I just got a saddle, but my reasons, I guess, are a little bit different. I'll end up hunting out of it a lot, but um, as a videographer and I film a lot of hunts, and I'll probably end up filming a decent amount, filming a decent amount of Mitch's. It's just so ideal for like for somebody that's hunting out of a platform. And as a videographer, like I think every videographer should have a saddle. Oh, it just because makes biggest, total sense. My biggest worry has always been like if I screw up this hunt somehow, like. I'd feel so bad, but being in a saddle, I can be behind the guy. I can move behind the tree and all that needs to be sticking out is that camera. Yeah. Like I don't care about getting a draw, anything like that. So the saddle is just so money for filming. Right. And, but I, I I think saddle is going to be a lot better this year for kind of the the approach that I'm going to have to, we got a lot of good trees there in Ohio to set up on. So, Mm -hmm. It's just nice being able to bounce around like that. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. so nice. When you can carry three sticks on a little platform and just go. Oh. But I'm ready for the learning curve because I know there's yeah. a, there's a pra- big one. So. I'm going to tell you to practice, practice lots this yeah. summer. I got my first one in the middle of the season and first time I ever used it was hunting. Yeah. Don't do that. Like it takes a little bit to figure out your comfort Absolutely. and understand it. And then, so, and I hunted the whole season with it, but like I still didn't, I, I didn't have the ability to like try different things because I was always hunting mm-hmm. where then the next year I, in the summertime, I'd set up targets in my yard and I practiced the hard shots and doing those in every different movement and trying to do it, you know, small. Yeah. And I'd set up in weird trees and mm-hmm. try to understand it. And once you do that, it just changes the game. Like you look at any setup and you're not worried about the tree. You're like, yeah. I don't care about that tree. I'll get in it and uh, I'm going to, I'm going to kill you at seven feet if I have to. Like, yeah. It's, mm-hmm. just, it's, it's, if that's cool. the tree to be in, you got to figure out a way to get in that tree. That's yeah. exactly it. Yep. Yeah. But no, that's, it's, uh, it, it's I'm pretty cool. I love trying it. Yeah. I, I, I love, I love seeing that you guys are trying out the, the big wood stuff and like, what's what you guys said? Like you've learned so much in a year and you're thinking about it yeah. like, like yeah. if you, yeah, you could have been in the office. Like, Doesn't Mitch, it Mitch and I took up, a decent right? amount of time away from when we should have well, been working. We walk over and we're just like, dude, have you checked out this little spot over here? <laughs> just like, well, dude, I'm trying to run a sales report. <laughs> but yeah, between that and then, oh, the car rides home. The first half an hour are just, I hate this. This place sucks. Well, yeah, you it's go there steep. for five I days. Hate this. I, I'm never coming back here. Yeah, you go there for five days, get your ass kicked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hate this. <laughs> oh yeah, and you're just—it's uh, we don't talk good about that place for about a first hour of the car ride, and then it gets quiet, and then you're like, "Well, you know, I was thinking about it. I'd really like to check this bottle because that might be good." And then it just goes off, and then it's—I mean, yeah—it's a love-hate relationship because for sure you definitely feel it hiking those hills. Oh yeah. Well, they're like. I know Mitch. Mitch can laugh at this, but like, I, I was like, all right, all I all I got to do is I'm gonna kill my one buck, and I'm freaking done with this place, like done. But after that, it's just like you. As soon as I end up shooting one there, it's gonna be so rewarding that it's just like, oh yeah, I'm gonna come back every year. It's just one of those places where it's like, it's not very often that you can find a spot that has big deer. And doesn't have pressure. Like, yes, these hills suck and they're hard. And, like, you got to work your ass off for that entire yeah, week. Yeah, you're right earning there. it. You really mm-hmm. are. But, like, to find a place that doesn't have pressure and has really good deer, like, you can't just give up on that spot. Right. Like, it's 
it might be a challenge to get to them, but it's nowadays you can't find spots like that very often. No. Well, and it's it's challenging not only physically, but it's it's challenging mentally, mentally too. Because <laughs> yeah. you're sitting there for a way long more time. than physically. I don't care how oh, big those yeah. hills are. The mental <laughs> challenges were mm-hmm. the hard part of it. Yeah. Oh, I, I can't tell you how many times I'd sit there and you'd like you just not seeing anything there's no cell phone service so you just put the cell phone away and just enjoy it so you can kind of get back to just enjoying hunting yeah but at the same time it's it's <laughs> almost enjoy so maddening because the same you're squirrel like i've watched this squirrel circle. run across this ridge <laughs> yeah. 15 times yeah, i've got the squirrel and if he comes back to, to this tree <laughs> i might take it like a hundred poke yeah. tea and that <laughs> son of a bitch is louder than anything oh, walk through the woods. and yeah. then all but of a sudden a, here comes the 28 point buck he's walking through the woods you don't even hear him because you're so yeah. these damn that squirrels. is that is exa- so our buddy our buddy's <laughs> dad this year um had these turkeys that were behind him mm-hmm. for like an hour just coming through making all this noise and he's looking around the trees looking at these turkeys and then finally he's just like you just staying looking forward where the this deer is going to come up because he's got it pretty patterned and these turkeys keep making noise keep making noise and he turns around and it's i mean he says and i i believe him to an extent but like a booner like yeah giant the biggest deer he's ever seen by far and just like they make eye contact and he actually kind of just skirted his way around just out of shooting range but like yeah he just so the thought it was a turkey yeah no oh. it's just a yeah. giant deer <laughs> so yeah. you know what, what you said mitch just a minute ago about like the mental thing and when you don't have cell service and everything i'm reading this book now and i'm actually having a guy at the time of recording this um so it'll be on tuesday i'm having the author of the book come on and his name is michael easter and it's called um man why am i drawing a blank something about comfort um the comfort crisis and he talks about like this guy, you know, wasn't a hunter or anything. And he joined Donnie Vincent for 30 some days in Alaska hunting. Mm-hmm. And he's talking about like, you're so used to be connected to your phone. And like you, you people aren't used to being bored. You're not used to boredom anymore. Like yeah. he's like, everything's then you right go, there. everything's right there. If you're, if you're bored, you're taking a shit, you're sitting there, you have your phone out, you're scrolling through social media. You're doing anything. There's any downtime, mm-hmm. social media, you're, you're in a vehicle ride, you're blaring music. You always have something going on yep. where when you put yourself in a situation where you don't have anything, but mm-hmm. if you actually can somehow get past your mental block and just focus on like just taking it all yeah. in and, and learning it and thinking well, and this year with like through it. With the news and everything going on in the world and COVID and all this stuff, it was like it was keep, more of a relief to get out than anything. Keep in mind the time of year of yeah. what was going on in our country that first week of November. Yeah. You wanted to throw your phone out the window. Yeah. Like, yeah. So you'd get out a little bit easier probably. Yeah. So you, you're just counting down the minutes until you get up the hill and you're like, cell phone service is lost. All right, let's just relax. Yeah. And I mean, you learn so much about how just all the animals use the woods. Like mm-hmm. I re- I saw a bear this year, like walked right under my tree. I was like, sniffed a step. Yeah, sniffed my step. Like, but the way it came in, I mean, like you could hear it coming from a ways. Um, you could hear the deer blowing, and it's like, well, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. And they take off, and then you could hear something coming, and here comes a bear walking. It walked right up my yeah. scent trail. It's, 
it's Isn't stuff it like cool just to watch them and just like see oh, how they work. I love watching animals when they have no idea you're there. I don't yeah. care what animal. Oh, it is. yeah. He knew I was there. He kept looking. He's and he just didn't really care. But he came right up to the base of the tree and like, sniffed it. That dude it. doesn't even have a mustache. He's yeah. like, I'll take yeah. him. <laughs> He's like, I like, don't. Who put yeah. their kid in this tree? What, what do you what do you call what do you call your goatee? Rumble strip. The rumble strip. <laughs> <laughs> he looked at the rumble strip. And you got the rut stash and the rumble strip. Yeah. Stay between them. Yeah. We, <laughs> <laughs> we need a shirt or something oh, for yeah. that. We'll tag team that one. Yeah. Yep. We'll, we'll tag team that one. <laughs> oh man. But yeah, I mean it's stuff like that where you just get back to just enjoying it and that's why that's why you do it. Oh man, you got you got me pumped up for hunting season right now. You guys talking about this and just I don't know gets me fired up. Well, it's we an everyday wait. thing for Mitch and I right now. Yeah, yeah. Every day it's we're just like, dude, we cannot wait. Yeah, I know. Which we feel so good about some some stuff that we feel like we learned so much last year that we're just like, dude, when you guys walk up, up to your first buck there and like just put your hands on i don't care what size it is whatever you're just gonna be like mm-hmm. most fulfilling thing you know because mm-hmm. yeah. it's i mean you've hunted whitetails for a long time but mm-hmm. like it's just different not saying it's any harder not saying it's just different and it's different this is the hardest i've had to work for a whitetail for sure oh, it's yeah, yeah. like it's, just physically and mentally yeah yeah it's it's yeah you definitely are just you know it's going to be rewarding, and that's what we've talked about is we just can't wait for that moment. Yep. yep. Awesome. Well, I think uh, – what, do you guys want to go eat dinner or what? Yeah, I'm starving. Dinner? Yeah. I, got, I need cool. a beer. So yeah. so where can where can uh, people find you guys if you want to give your, your local, um, you know, handles on social media or whatever, and then Prime stuff. So let's start with you, Casey. You got, like my personal stuff? Yeah, give whatever you want. Whatever you um, want. I I'm on social media. Um, mostly Instagram is what I'm using. So Casey dot Vandergraf um, is my social handle. But um, I mean, just kind of follow us on Prime and G Five. A lot of my stuff's there too. So yeah, but yeah, pretty much Prime and G Five. And if anyone is actually interested, I'm currently looking up my handle because I have no <laughs> idea what it is. I'll uh, find it and put a link. Find, in the show there notes. we go. I, I like I it. Link like, in the show notes. I tag you know, a lot of my stuff. I think it's like mday underscore 30. Is that your hockey number, I think? Sounds about right. Yeah. I have no idea. I could Just go to my page and I tag that's him like his, every that's picture. His, yeah. It's also his it. username on Grinder. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I don't have that anymore. <laughs> Get rid of that. <laughs> no, but thank you guys for coming on. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for no having us. This is fun. It's been a blast. I, I enjoyed talking to some guys that are, you know, newer to doing it and just listening to your guys' well, thought process. Like, awesome. Yeah. Well, Mitch and I do a lot of podcasts, but they're always like, because of where we work, it's always like, all right, let's hear about the bows, mm-hmm. which is nice. I mean, it, I like talking about bows and equipment, but it is nice to talk about hunting once in a while. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So. <laughs> Heck yeah, man. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this is good. Thanks, guys. Well, thanks for, for having us. us. See you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit eastmeetswesthunt.com, Facebook at East Meets West Outdoors, and Instagram at East Meets West Hunt. If you enjoyed today's episode, please review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time.